drive. What in the name of bloody hell? I'm joined by superfan Peter this week. Welcome, Peter. Hello. Thank uh, you for having me on. Very welcome. This episode we'll be discussing Series 3, Episode 3, The Broken Reflection, aired 16th of February, 92. Uh, it's quite special this week. Also, we meet Victor's brother, an actual relative we see in the flesh. Unlike where we usually hear about Great Uncle Dick or Great Aunt Joyce or Cousin Ivor, we actually see relatives. It's quite refreshing. Um, but yeah, before we get into things, uh, Pete, do you want to tell us your thoughts on One Foot in the Grave overall? What, what, how did you first come by it? Uh, what inspired you to uh, come onto a podcast, I suppose? Okay, um, so I got into One Foot in the Grave by, um, I was brought into the show by my mum. She started watching it and she told me to watch it and I watched it with her. I think the first episode I watched with her was the one where he throws the hand grenade over the fence. Oh, yeah. yeah. With the bowling green. I think that was the first episode I ever watched. And then I found myself when I was younger buying in Luton Airport no one can hear you scream on DVD yeah. on VHS and since then um, in my later years I've been lucky enough to visit a few of the locations that are featured in One Foot in the Grave. I remember you saying yeah when you got in touch with me you said that you visit some of the locations I've never visited them myself or what's is it quite surreal seeing them? In so there? they're all they're all based in or around Bournemouth a lot of the filming was done in Bournemouth around Bournemouth yeah. Um, so I like saw Riverbank. I also saw the spot where um, Victor died at Shawford Railway Station. Tragic. Um, yeah, lied, photos. Yeah, I lied on the floor um, where <laughs> he died with my hat on in the gutter, just like Victor. That is. Um, yeah, that is displaying your true affection for the show right there. I think. And I can also claim that I've seen the frozen cat prop at the BBC. London yeah, you mentioned this. How, how did you yeah. come across that? So um, when you, they used to do tours of the BBC Television Centre in London, yeah. um, or highlight of the tour for me, was they took you down this long corridor to look into the studios and like a viewing gallery. Right. And one side was the viewing gallery and the other side, in this like sealed cabinet, was the frozen cat. <laughs> well, that's incredible. I, yeah, I can't claim to have seen any of the props myself. Still that's frozen. really cool. So that, the episode you're on about, the Valley of Fear, I had to remind myself. Sounds yeah. like the first episode you watched. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. Um, so we're similar age, aren't we? Like, it was more my grandparents have got me into it. You know, like I, I've said before, but they're about the same age. Like, so yeah. when I was watching it, Richard Wilson and Annette Crosby, they're probably in their late 50s, early 60s, literally. I think they're probably born the same year as my grandparents. Bit of a connection there. I don't know what it is. Like when I watch it now, I can see a lot of my grand, but in Victor, weirdly. My grand yeah. is more Victor, and my granddad is. No, he's not. He's he's neither really. But he, she used to get frustrated with him. I guess she had a bit of Margaret and Victor in her. But yeah, uh, yeah well, it's good to uh, to meet you because you know you've been in contact with me for a short while, and it's good to put a, a face to the name. But yeah, nice it's good. To see you too. Nice to see you. Should we crack on with the episode? Yep. Lovely. The broken reflection. Okay, so we open up in. Chinese takeaway, the first time we see Victor sort of out and about in a restaurant. There's yeah, a few occasions. Yeah, I think it is the first one where it's not set straight away at home. I think or, you're right, and it's yeah. it's very smoky, isn't it? It's a smoky, it dreary backstreet takeaway. Surprised that Victor and Margaret would shop there, personally. <laughs> I think Margaret has, some, Margaret has something to say about it, doesn't she, later on, she but does. Victor is mute at this point. There's just a couple of ladies and a couple of other uh, members of the public waiting as a, a customer sort of comes strolling in with a takeaway he's obviously picked up in the last h- half an hour or so 
and was a bit of a mystery because they're talking in, I assume, Chinese or Mandarin. Yeah. And we don't, there's obviously a bit of a commotion between the customer and the staff. <laughs> we, we, we know there's something wrong with the food, but when, when, when the reveal comes, it's, it is hilarious. Visually, it's brilliant. But what, make, what makes it funny, I think, I don't know if you agree, but they are talking in a specific language. So we, it's left to our imagination. We know what the gist of it is, but what I like about it is one by one, the staff members come out and they all have the same sort of reaction to what they see. But we don't see, we don't really see it. I think I'm jumping ahead, but he, he lifts the foil lid and it's a rice prop. It's like yeah. all glued together, isn't it? It's, it's quite, yeah. quite good for 1992. <laughs> and it just moves on its own, doesn't it? It's absolutely hideous. Yeah. I wonder what... I wonder what, what Bug was that, do you think? A huge oh, like, cockroach or something? It, it, or a I, ma- I mouse? Think it might have been a mouse, yeah. I mean, it's obviously, I believe, moved by magnets. Um, yeah, someone yeah. on the counter moving yeah. it by magnets. But it does look like it was, or it gives you the impression it's a mouse. <laughs> I, and then I think later on, the mouse track kind of paints the picture of that that you mm, see. In yes. Of, we haven't got to that yet. I think before, before we, the viewer, see the fact that it's a, a, a living thing, like I was saying, the... the I don't know if they're family members or just workers. They all go, ah, like that. That's sort of funny yeah. surprise sound um, because we it's very closely revealed to them, but not us. Yeah. And then, of course, we see the rice pot moving on its own. It's brilliant. I mean, what were the food standards like in, in the early 90s and what were takeaway foods? It's obviously a different story now because it's quite yeah. strong now, isn't it? It's quite it safe, is. safe to eat. But, um, yeah. I don't know I'd want to eat there. <laughs> no. No. I, I haven't had... Any, I gotta say though, like if I ever order rice from any kind of takeaway, I do, I do, I do think of that scene, and it's not a good, it's not a good thing because it, put, it sort of semi puts you off in the moment, but um, at the same time, it's a bit of comic relief, isn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> so <clears throat> in the takeaway, so the chap gets his check, he gets a, like a some a refund, and he's out of there, and the work, the worker, the guy at the till, seems to got over it got over the shock and just casually calls out victor's order and i just love victor's response is it like <laughs> yep. yeah i think i don't know victor's paid i think i would have left i don't know <laughs> would you have left if you witnessed someone's definitely takeaway i think, if I think if, happened, yeah regardless of if i paid or not i think i would have gone yeah yeah because i think he has paid because he doesn't hand anything over does he oh not no. that not like remember do you remember what Victor ordered? Was it two? You made your notes, didn't you? No, I'm trying to remember. I can't remember that. It was two fried rice or something. Two stewed chicken and two boiled rice. That's it. Two stewed two chicken. Stewed chicken. Chicken? chicken. Chicken. That's for you, sir. And then he goes, "Is it?" Yep. <laughs> and he, the, the the chap, again, assume assume a Chinese heritage, says "Bon appetit" as he, yeah, as he, as he leaves. Which I thought was quite funny. Using French lingo, what I what I made a note I made was why didn't Victor at least check whilst he was there? Yeah, so I think I meant check, just check your food, like just no, just accepts it, doesn't he? Yeah, very just trusting. How he's done? Yeah, he drops his keys on the way out, and he finds a packet of condoms on the floor, a packet of Durex. Yeah, and there's a couple of late like young ladies near him who sort of giggle at him. It's in a mousetrap. Um, it's in a mousetrap there. Do we see that? Do we see the reveal yeah. of it being in a mousetrap? Yep, it's in a mousetrap. It's it's in a mousetrap. Do we see that in the first scene, or do we see yeah. that later? No, okay. when he picks it up, when he picks it up, it's in a mousetrap. So when I watch, when I watch it back, you can't really see 
it clear, clearly what it is. So oh, right. just for the listener at home, I've just watched that back and he's picked up what we assume to be a packet of condoms. Or I, Actually, when I first watched this, I probably thought it was a pack of cigarettes but before we actually see the reveal. Victor's got a thing about the ladies, isn't he? Being not sort of prim and proper because he's quite yeah. cruel about them, isn't he? But yeah. It's obviously a specific reason why we focus on Victor picking that up. It's always something to do with litter, isn't it? It's been yeah. a while, actually, since he's moaned about litter. <laughs> so I felt, I felt like the whole of series one was another story about whatever he found in his back garden. This yeah. episode's all about litter. Mm. <laughs> it very much is, yeah. I was going to just chip in with this. Go on. Um, I was looking on all sources about this episode, and I discovered that Frank Bruno is credited on IMDb for appearing in this episode. And I, I was don't... like, where? And I found him. He's on the TV in the takeaway, just before As... Victor gets his order. As is Terry Wogan. As is Terry Wogan, but Terry Wogan's not quoted on IMDb. It says uncredited Frank Bruno and Terry Wogan. Oh, Wogan's Terry Wogan's on. Is he on there now? He's on there, but I, oh, yeah. I thought he must have been heard on a telly or radio. No, it's um, silent, but they're credited. Crazy. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's a little bit of... Um, I think that the hardcore fans out there will probably know that um, <laughs> I didn't. And I do a podcast. Hi. I don't know. <laughs> That's really cool. So the okay. next scene, we're in... We're not even in Victor Meldry's house still. We're in Patrick and Pippa's kitchen. We just open up with Patrick. So he he just he just opens up with us. As long as it's established, I'm not happy with the arrangement. We don't really know what at this stage. We will know what the arrangement is, but he's not happy with whatever has been planned. There's a newspaper cutting that Pippa's reading. Have you seen this? They found a mummified caveman inside a block of ice in Siberia. Perfectly preserved... He's over 12,000 years old. He's a spitting image of Mr. Meldrew. I've forgotten what he did with that tortoise that was entrusted to his care. Ran straight out the back and started toasting it on a garden fork. <laughs> little bugger. He does get teased about his, his looks, doesn't he, a little bit on and off throughout. We never see a picture of it, do we? No, we never see it, but it's referred to many times in this episode. Left to your, the old imagination as ever. Said over 12,000 years old, perfectly preserved. And yeah, she's just saying it's a spitting image of Victor Maldry. Put my mind at rest of this then. So Patrick references the tortoise that Victor looked after and killed. How would he know that? He hadn't moved in at that point. So when he, looked up, when he looked after Margaret's goddaughter's tortoise in series yep. two, I believe it was series mm-hmm. two, it was series two. This is before they met Patrick and Pippa. They hadn't moved in. So how on it's- earth would they know? It's weird, isn't it? He, it's like he, a throwback, he, but he doesn't know. He doesn't know. Like he, he doesn't even say it like he heard about it. He goes, like, he mentions that he's, he, he could see he saw him. it. Yeah, yeah, he saw it. To, you know, running around with um, the back toast with the tortoise toasting on the fork. So I just thought, I'm sure Patrick yeah. and Pippa, they first make appearance. Who will buy was the first episode they yep. appeared in. Who will buy? Sorry. Okay. So it was near the end of series two, but. We have put her in the living tomb was like episode two of series two. So I don't know if they just sort of, I don't know what the timeline is in the one for yeah. the great universe. So it's very, someone I'm sure will put us right because I yep. just find that bizarre. Maybe they were viewing the house when that happened. It's not, the first thing, it's not the first thing that would come up in conversation. <laughs> no, it's not the first <laughs> at all. Every little bit of detail matters with one from the grave and he puts a do not soak sign on the plant. And when I watched when I watched this back, I thought, why 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 are they making a fuss out of that sign? 
all will be revealed, but what you see as you watch it live. I knew what would happen in, by the end of the episode, but I guess when you watch it for the first time, you think, what's going on, what's going on there? Yeah. I don't know. Pippa asks Patrick to look at the mummified caveman photo, and he says, what what photo? I can just see Victor Marsh. <laughs> yeah. um, he just says it quite you know, sarcastically, calmly, like it's just the norm. It's definitely Victor Meldry. Well, I can see, I can see the picture of Victor Meldry. Where's the mummy for caveman? <laughs> um, a very short scene. There's not a lot we learn. We don't really know what arrangement Patrick's unhappy with. I guess you would assume at the time when you first watch it, it's Victor related. But what could it be? They don't reference it going on holiday at that point, do they? I don't do believe I don't believe they do until the next scene. I no. think that's in the next scene. It's all revealed. So if we move on to the next scene, then. So we're we're now at well, the, the Meldry's kitchen for the first time of the episode. It's only a few minutes in, but it's quite strange to have a couple of scenes and not be in the Meldry household. Yep. So opening scene. What's happening then? So so Margaret is berating Victor for going to the Chinese that he went to. And she she mentions the pest control has been there. Three times to her knowledge. The one I, by the canal. Yeah, I, I think Victor's obviously a bit more laid back with that sort of thing. So if I was Margaret, I'd be like, no, I'm, I'm going to the, a better, cleaner Chinese. He does go to some rapey takeaways, though. Um, I think it's later on in One Foot in the Grave. He goes to um, the fish and chip shop with the bloke's finger in it. Oh, yeah. Later on, so he does go to some rapey takeaways. What was that... Um, much later, I think it's a series six where he goes to the, the toilet and he's trying to get his Oh, the Chinese. Under. Yes, that's the first episode of series six. Yeah, and it takes and him he down. he bangs on the floor and it goes down. Yeah, yeah, that's very clever, that is. Yeah. So he does He does go to, he does pick him. He does pick him, yeah. And yep. not because he's not got any class, but he's just Victor, wrong place, wrong time. Executioner song. Victor has a great one line, doesn't he? I need the Pied Piper of Hamelin because of what you know he's describing how bad that Chinese is and all the pests that obviously lead find its way to that particular takeaway. Nasty. Victor references the women hanging around in the Chinese. Might as well stick yep. a red light over the door. Very disapproving in the very obvious time, isn't he? And Margaret says, What prostitutes? And he goes, Yeah, I didn't know his price list to ask for first. Yeah, I mean that's funny as a joke, but even if he's being serious that he was sort of implying that in the moment he could be asking for someone's priceless for you know for sex, but obviously Victor's humorous bloke at the best of times is all is all sarcasm. A, a very quick response actually. And then he says, "Skirts up to their nostrils, you know damn well they're not waiting for crispy duck." <laughs> yeah, he's he's got it in for the late, and we're, he's got it in for them a bit later on as well, isn't he? Which we'll come yes. to shortly. We do actually have a reveal of the packet of condoms in the in the mousetrap. I tell you what, I got to say, I. I wouldn't be surprised if it felt like Victor in a different episode could could have put that there just to see what it's like for pest, but not even just pest to see if there's condom like condom packets that picked up because he thinks it's like a little a mini brothel. <laughs> it just wouldn't put a pass in for him to plan that, even though it obviously clearly isn't. But yeah. I don't know what kind of take I don't don't know what kind of food establishment would put openly put a mouse trap where the uh, customer's walking in and out. But there you go. <laughs> he uh, says. I like to see what training standards have to say about this. That's it, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and it obviously wasn't a huge issue back then because although they've had pest control in, they haven't been shut down to our knowledge. They haven't referenced it. Moving on from the whole pest topic just for a moment and women hanging around takeaways that look like brothels, we hear that Victor's brother's coming to stay. Oh, by the way, your brother asked 
Alfred phoned from the airport. He says he wants to do a bit of shopping in London tomorrow. He'll get here about three. Sounded a bit dopey. Stays jet lag, I expect. Well, that would be jet lag. He's always dopey. <laughs> you see, when you ring him up, his voice sounds as distant as anything, and he can't hear a word you're saying. Well, that's because it's an international line. That's because he's holding the phone upside down. <laughs> That's quite exciting, really. Like, God, what could Victor's brother be like? Is it going to be another Victor? Are they going to look the same? Are they going to act the same? We know eventually, it's not really a spoiler to say, we know he's coming in from New Zealand, don't we? But it's yeah. not. We, we know that he's flying in from somewhere. Mm -hmm. And the digs are flying in already from Victor. There's clearly a bit of resentment because not only has it been 25 years since they were in each other's company, which I think is extraordinary. That's a huge chunk in it of your life to not yeah. see a sibling or any family but if one of them's in australia then well new zealand, yeah, right? new zealand. New zealand. yeah i get that and i guess maybe flights weren't as regular back then however we don't know how long he's been living in new zealand for this chap he might have just gone out there to retire yeah if you think about it if it's around 60 61 62 he's in his mid-30s when he last saw him he's, he's clearly older than him though his brother he's clearly older than him Clearly, an older brother. What do you what you think? Victor's older than Alf, or Alpha's older no, than I think, Victor? I think Alfred's older than Victor. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I think he's um, a lot, but even in like not just the actors, but in character, he's older, isn't he? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's Victor. If you think about, it, yeah, he's been in his mid thirties since he last was in touch. So, other than the fact that they got on each other's nerves, clearly, which we'll learn more about later, what could it be for it to be that long? He does he doesn't sound excited that he's coming? He's digging at him being a dopey, deaf old yeah. brother. And he compares living with him like living with Stan Laurel. If you're a Laurel, yeah. Laurel Hardy fan, that's quite funny. If, if you ever wondered what it'd be like to be trapped with, in a house with Stan Laurel for three weeks, you're about to find out. That's right. Is it? I thought it was two weeks they're going to stay with, staying together. Is it two weeks? Might be two weeks. Well, it might have been. The only other thing I was going to say on this episode, is yeah. on this scene, sorry, is that it is referenced later on that Alfred had to save up to go and see Victor. So it might be that he's not got a lot of money. Good point. Um, Good point. So that yeah. might be one of the reasons why they haven't seen each other for so um, long. Yeah, I just feel like 25 years, that's, yeah, I know people who they live in this country and they've got relatives or friends or whatever in Australia. And they probably go once every 18 months to two years. And they're not exactly rich. And I just feel like 25 years, a quarter of a century. That just spells to me that they just quite flat out never got on. So yeah. what's the point of keeping in touch yet? Yeah. Here's Alf coming over to visit him. So anyway, in pop Patrick and Pippa. Just casually let themselves in through the back door. That's fine, no knocking. <laughs> I feel like if you're really, really friendly with your neighbours, that would happen. But they're not exactly getting on like a house on fire. Margaret and Pippa get on well, but and that's probably why they just let themselves in. But Patrick and Victor, they've already got like a little war going on, haven't they? Everybody everybody comes in through the back door, don't they? They do, yeah. yeah. Lots of people do that. It's not just them. It's not just going through the back door. They've got to go through the back gate, through their garden, and then straight in. That's, yeah. there's, there's, no, there's no problem. I mean, like I said in, um, I think it was Who's Listening, Pippa's dad was locked out, and he couldn't get in through the back. Obviously, you think if they knew he was there, why would they lock the back door? It just felt like a little um, little error on the, in the writing, I don't know. Okay. But anyway, more to a different episode entirely there. So they pop round because they're dropping their keys, because so, they're obviously going away somewhere. Uh, I'm, I find it odd that they're, well, they're, if they're going away just for a few days, which I assume is a few, few days, I don't know why they need, they haven't got a, a pet cat, have they, or an animal that needs feeding, so I don't know why they need the keys. 
Unless it's just switch on the lights. Ah, is it? That's why it says do not soak at the beginning. Yes, there you go. Because it's to water the plants. That's right. what Victor's doing later on in the episode as well. Right. In the house. Okay. Yeah, that's that that clears that for me. I just thought it's a bit not necessary. But they Victor's um finds himself in that situation with Patrick. Patrick wrong again, wrong place, wrong time where he sees Victor behaving peculiarly. Because Victor's in he's got a sieve over the like mountain of rice just to check. He's prodding it with something, isn't he? Just to see if there's any pests in there. And obviously the skewer. And obviously it looks odd because Patrick doesn't know the backstory. So frustrating. If I was Victor, I'd be like, just been to the takeaway. You never guess what I saw. And that's why I'm checking it. I feel like I'd explain myself. But Victor, this is his own house. He do, can do what he likes, doesn't he? Patrick and Victor never explain themselves to each other. Wouldn't work. It's not their dynamic. It's not their dynamic. And it, and it's obviously a comedy, so it works perfectly well, doesn't it? Because Victor asks him, are you well? And he responds with, well, yes, I am. Okay, so I assume it's... The, the next day, well, I don't know, it's quite out of the blue, but in, in the living room, yeah. there looks like a bit of a posh spiv. Okay, so you've got your computer, yeah? You've got your database software package, your laser printer, your fax, your photocopier, and your cartridges. Oh, and we mustn't forget your warranty agreement, must we? Memo, get Samantha to organise a three-year extended warranty agreement for Mr Victor Meldrew on his M240 computer package. Okay, then. I just need three signatures from you and uh, a small check, I'm afraid. <laughs> right. Uh, how much was it again? £7,962.45, if you could, please. An absolute disgusting amount. Graham Wick's best attempts at describing a made-up manufacturer name. I thought he'd come up with something better than that, personally. <laughs> but a grand old price of £7,962.45p. I mean, even if you bought the most expensive Apple Mac... Or custom built gaming PC. I'm not. I don't have a gaming PC myself, but it wouldn't cost half that. It's crazy. So I went on the Bank of England calculator to work out how much that was Infl- in 1992. Inflation. Yep. So, so today, if you bought the same computer, uh, it'd be sixteen and a half thousand pounds, just over. So it's a lot of money. I mean, I don't know. It's a time before internet. I think you could. I don't know if you could email it. I know internet was invented in like the 70s, but probably used by Secret Service or whatever. Not in the same way as we use it now. Yeah, I don't know um, what you could do with a near eight grand computer back then, apart from word processing and a few games. Um, yeah. You might have had some sort of, obviously you can fax things and stuff. Faxing was probably a big, big deal back then. Absolutely crazy. And Victor's surprisingly blase about it. It's okay, yeah, no worries, that's fine. Yeah. Gets out the checkbook. And in, in, in the process of this, this spear, I call him a spear. I wonder what his character name was. So the sales rep guy is irritating with his dictaphone. The dictaphone, he's just, it's just a way of him recording down little tasks he needs to do. Like in this day and age, you might just pop a reminder on your phone if you own a smartphone. Have you ever owned a dictaphone? I used to have a dictaphone just for fun. I didn't really do much no, of it. Never, never had one. But he, he goes, Memo. Memo. Yes, the man for sort out. Two-year service contract from date of purchase. So, yeah, like I said, Victor, very blasé about everything. That's fine. And he signs a cheque. What are you playing at, Victor? Like, where's this come from? Want to buy a computer? There's no build-up to this at all. He, Victor signs a cheque, hands it over, and sales rep guy, he's looking a little bit taken back by what he's seen. What's this? Is this some sort of joke or what? A joke, sorry? The signature. It says, you daft, dawdling old asshole." <laughs> 
no, I think that's what you called me last week, wasn't it? When you nearly carved me up in that jewel carriageway? Last week. <laughs> I was driving along a steady 50 when you suddenly shot up my backside in your company Sierra, flashed your lights and virtually ran my back bumper for three miles. When you did overtake, that's what you shouted through the passenger window. <laughs> Noting your firm's details in the car door, I took the liberty of inviting you around here today, just so as I could deliberately waste your time for the best part of an entire morning. He signs the check, you daft, dawdling old arsehole. This is the, the, the length Victor will go to get revenge. Victor clarifies what he's done, so essentially, all because he was overtaken on a dual carriageway, he was doing a steady 50, and this sales rep guy obviously completely disrespected Victor, shouted out this one line at him. He did well to shout that through going at a certain pace in the car, yeah, a certain speed. On a dual carriageway. And for Victor to hear it, but there you go, Victor's ear, hearing is obviously not impaired, unlike his brother that we'll learn yeah. later on. And, and then even more, he, he got all the bloke's details as well, as well, yeah. whilst he was shouting at him. That's what, I, that's what I was thinking. I thought you did well to remember his company name and stuff. And into, into, but if it was today, you would just you would make a note in your mind of a company name on the side of a van and Google it at a later time. But he hasn't got that facility. He's got to remember the number and the name and look it up. But he's done well. Yeah, fair enough. And it's a, I've, I've always said on this podcast, and pretty much every listener agrees because they're huge fans and they love Victor, that they will side with Victor in any given scenario, more or less. And we all side with Victor in the respect that this bit of yuppie, we call him a yuppie for a moment, deserves a little bit of back chat. However, did Victor need to do all that? I don't know. This guy is, although he might come across as pompous, he's just trying to make a living. Yeah. And he has wasted the best part of a morning just pretending to want to buy you know, his products. But it's, it's funny, Victor gets great pleasure out of it. But as the sales representative leaves, he mentions that he thought he recognised him in the paper. He thought it was the mummified caveman in the papers. He thought he recognised him from that, which is a little thick, doesn't seem to care. It's probably the first he's heard of, actually, isn't it? Yeah, and then and then he also picks up the dictaphone and says, Memo gets him out to organise me a new brain where I can <laughs> learn to drive and not be a complete bastard to everyone on the road. He's really done him over. He's done him up like a kipper. I liked how the, the Spiv compliments... As he's about to have some money signed over to him, he's like keeping it sweet and compliments someone his wallpaper. But as he leaves, he quite pathetic sort of, oh, your wallpaper stinks as well. Like, Victor didn't care about that. He goes, he goes through his particular stages, Renwick, of mentioning wallpaper. Another mm. thing he mentions a lot, which hasn't all finished yet, is um, the video recorder. That's mentioned an awful lot in various yes. episodes. So yeah, there's certain things that he seems to like, mm. highlight and then keep going back to in different ways. Yeah, yeah. Right. There's there's a, there's a few things like that throughout the show, isn't there? Like you'll bring you bring certain references back. Margaret's obviously essentially witnessed that from the other room. He describes Victor as a one man vigilante patrol. And one day it'll come back to bite him on the, the backside. But I'm pretty sure it has in dramatic fever when he confronted the, the builder for dropping litter on the floor and he's got like the copper polling wrapped around his head. Yeah. So he has he does stick up for himself or stick up for what is right which is why we love him but he has like had a comeback on his sort of beliefs isn't he yeah he he always tries to like do what he thinks right but sometimes 
doesn't always go to plan and sometimes no. he suffers for it. See, I don't know if he, I don't know if I'd want an invited sales representative to my house just in case he wanted to get revenge again later on. But he knows where Victor yeah. lives now. Victor doesn't know where he lives, but he knows where Victor lives, so he could have come back and done something else. But the salesman's gone. Margaret has come back in the scene. Victor's off to give the garden a wee trim. And Margaret's actually getting ready to leave to pick up uh, his brother. And Victor describes Alfred's wearing, or Alfred is wearing a, it's like a small grey hat pipe, and he's forgotten to put his trousers on the right way. So I think, is Victor implying that his brother's a bit mad? Yeah, he's... A bit senile. He's, yeah, it's going back to the Stan Laurel reference, I think, earlier. To be fair, I mean, how would he know what Alfred's like nowadays? Because unless they keep in touch on the telephone, which I get the feeling they probably don't, he won't they know do really what he's... Do they, they write? Do write. Ah, they yeah. do write. It's revealed later that they do write oh, quite okay. regularly. So it might just be, but he's what, worked what, that out from his writing. True. Well, his that's, yes, yes. When Victor leaves the house, Margaret finds a dictaphone on the floor. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he very much picked up the dictaphone you don't hear or see it drop no i i wonder if he just dropped it because he kind of grabs all this stuff for salesman when he leaves um and his coat and everything and i just wonder if he dropped it on the way out just yeah i don't know i really don't you're know. in a hurry mm. in a hurry to leave someone's house you just accidentally drop things maybe perhaps and we have to we have to allow that that happened and he might have had two dictaphones he might have had a backup but i don't know and I just thought that was a bit... He definitely picked that up from the table. Anyway, well, we move on now to a very busy airport terminal. Bus station. Was it bus Is it like a... Uh, so he's got a, he's got a, a train or bus from the airport to the train station. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have a go at this. I'm going to throw it out there and say I know the location of the bus station. What, where is it? I believe it's Paul Bus Station, but I'm not 100% um, sure because it's all based in Bournemouth. I believe it's in Paul, the bus station. Okay. I might, I might stand corrected on it, but I personally believe being from being there that it's Paul bus station. Okay, I'll take your word for it. You've okay. been to the location, so I'll, I'll definitely believe you. So Margaret's trying to search for our friend, and she spots him a mile off because he's dressed exactly how Victor predicted he would be. Even though we thought Victor was just being sardonic, he was actually dressed. He looks like a detective, doesn't he? With reading his newspaper, wearing his big sort of cloak, gown, whatever it is, duffel coat, and his top hat. Very funny. And he gives this very f- sort of sweet, ridiculous wave, doesn't he, to Margaret? He does. Like a very a fluffy, handy wave. But he looks quite a cute old man, doesn't he? Do you recognise him from Men Being Badly? I don't recognise him, but I haven't seen a lot of men behaving badly. Men Being Badly fans, Gary's, it's Gary's father, I'm sure you know straight away, because this actor, Richard Pearson, appears in... Men being badly, roughly the same. It's about only about a couple of years after this was aired, so he looks exactly the same. Well, we we find Alfred, and he's dressed exactly how Victor described him, and yeah. he sees Margaret and gives her a wave, and you notice as you see Alfred that his hat's actually on fire, and somehow, he's oblivious to it. Somehow, um, after all these years, I didn't notice it, and that's going to be a shock to people who think I'm this huge fan. I'm a huge <laughs> fan, and. I know it's referenced to hot ash or the hat on being on fire, but I just thought it was just burning embers. I never really saw. I guess it's one of these episodes I've seen not as many as others, but just for the listeners at home, Peter had to put me straight and I completely oversaw this somehow. It's like it's such an obvious thing, so I'm just not going to hide the fact that I didn't really realise you could see it. I mean, I'm just watching it back. It's, it's so obvious. Okay, that's embarrassing. 
There you go. <laughs> Some fan I am. Okay, can you find a place for this, do you think? Yes, I think we can. And there was nowhere else to be sick. <laughs> She says it might be a good idea not to pipe, tap your pipe out in your hat while it's still alight. Yes. Did, 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 did Victor reference that he's done that before? Not yet. No, he's later. That's yeah. coming on. Yeah, yeah. I, I, thought, I thought he was painting a picture to Margaret about what he can be like because he's a pipe smoker. Because he says, look out for a man with a pipe. He did, and, yeah. uh, but he didn't, like, he didn't reference that. Okay. I'm just perplexed. Um, it's a bit like when um, I rewatched Timeless Time and you learn that they had a, a kid and I couldn't remember that conversation about them having a kid. It's crazy. But anyway, so he hands one final bit of luggage in a bag and it's actually cute. They had a bit it of a bumpy journey. In a Harrods bag, ironically. Harrods bag. He's not sure of you, Bob. So he couldn't just put that in a bin. He, he's happy for it to go in the boot. He says, can you find a place for this as there was nowhere else to be sick? Yeah. He must have come across a public bin. I don't know. Anyway, anything else to add to that scene? No, I don't no, think so. Okay. His hat was on fire. <laughs> His hat was definitely on fire. <laughs> and I don't know how I've not really... I must have done. I think I just... I I wouldn't say I watch One Foot in the Grave over and over and over and over and over again thousands of times like I would with, say, Fools and Horses. I think with one from the grave is like joint second favorite for me. So I don't think I study it as solidly, if that makes sense. But I just absolutely adore it, and I know every episode well enough, storyline-wise and one-liners. But sometimes these obvious little details, even when I rewatch it, I'm mostly making notes and not really watching the screen as much as I should. But yeah, brilliant. I'm glad you said it because. People have gone, why didn't you mention the, the hat on fire? It's not good. Even though Victor references it. We're in Victor's garden now. So I assume sort of later on in the day, uh, he's, mowed, he's mowed the lawn. I think, I believe this is all set up just for another visual gag. Well, yeah. It is set up for a visual gag, isn't it? Because he's mowing the lawn. It's a bit of a windy day. He's going back into his house to put away the, the, the lawnmower. He hasn't got side access, has he? We could just go around the back, but he doesn't. He goes through his house. He's got his front window open. And of course, all the grass cuttings blow in onto his uh, nice big fluffy white rug. I mean, he, we see a shot of his Hoover, his vacuum cleaner, and he doesn't use it. He decides to use a rake. Yeah, I think and he's going to rake it up first before he hoovers it. But obviously I wouldn't do that. I think I would hoover it straight away. I don't know about you, because yeah. it's all stuck in the three-inch rug. But of course, once again, Patrick just lets himself in. He does. And he and he sees this happen like he again. It's the second time this episode he's seen some something weird that Victor's doing. And actually, I'm gonna side with Patrick and think, yeah, that is like silly. Again, he's in his own house. He, he can do what he likes. But I think most of us would probably just hoover up, even though it's grass. It's a bit bizarre. We'd, yeah, I don't think I'd rake up because yeah. that ain't gonna come out of the rug as easily. So I think even though Patrick shouldn't have just strolled in. Do you remember why he was strolling in for? He, he comes in and says, I forgot to give you my sister's phone number and puts it on one of his yellow notes. He's still, got the, he still got the yellow sticky notes from a yep. few episodes ago. I like that little continuity. <laughs> I like that. So Patrick and Pippa are in their car just about to get off and it's referenced how it's the same old thing. Oh, he was just... He says pretty run-the-mill stuff. He was mowing the front room carpet. <laughs> She said, "Was the mousetrap still with? Was the mousetrap with the condom still on the cheese board?" I said, "I'm afraid it was." Why do you think he took the mousetrap back home? 
was it just give it like give ever like go to the local council and say what's this about probably i suppose probably yeah. no victor no yeah. victor most probably mm. tell tell only that like he wants to yep. harass them literally but i think that's the right thing to do because if people have eaten they're finally gone he also says he says um when he says patrick and piffa in the car and he says pretty run the mill stuff he's mowing the front room carpet he says it's quite normal for him on the monday isn't it and then he says he's probably planting begonias in the video recorder by now. <laughs> like that's another that's another, another reference from Renwick to the video recorder. Yeah, it's obsessive, isn't he? I yeah. bet Renwick's had some some uh, negative experiences with video recorders. So he's, as ever, he's like putting all his energies into what annoys him day to day. That's I think that's obvious to say because that's he says a lot of Victor. There's a lot of Victor in him, isn't there? Almost the end of the scene. What anything else that I said, Pete? We'll take a good look at the house, darling. It might be the last time you see it in its present form. If you're that worried about Victor and Margaret or Victor going into your house, you'd probably just ask someone else across the road, wouldn't you? Very, it's very Patrick and Piffa, though. It's I, very. I've they, asked, they reference that a lot. I'd ask Mr. Swaney, wouldn't you? I'd be like, actually, would you mind just coming into the house to water the plants rather than? Yeah. Not know. in this episode. No, they're, they're like they're no. they're rarely in the same at the same time. So far, we've have one scene with Mr. Swaney and Pippa at the concert hall and that's it. We don't see him in, to my knowledge in the same scene or the same episode again. It is essentially the next scene but it's it's outside of Patrick and Pippa's front lawn and uh, we've got two ladies sort of gossiping. One of them's got a buggy with a toddler in and we've got this great shot of the front of the house where we can see the ladies at the front of the garden, Victor further back opens the window and shouts out. Is there any more crap you want to sling up a people's back? <laughs> yes, you! The one who's in a bottom pinch by Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> this is the front lawn, not a bloody can recycling plant. Why don't you train him to empty his potty over the front doorstep while you're at it? Oh, get back to your plants. Bimbos. What I found hilarious with the delivery of that line is it does he's not Richard Rich Wilson's not microphoned up, so it's like it echoes in the background what he says. It, it's quite authentic because it sounds like it's like you're from your point of view, you're at the other side of the street and you can hear this commotion going on. Some people said what was he doing in Patrick Pippa's house, but he's watering the plants, isn't he? So so the funniest bit about this scene is that actually before they before you see the two women talking outside, um, they show Margaret shaking out a rug at the front of her house. Oh, yeah, I made a and note then, of that. Sorry. They show Margaret, like, shaking out a rug so you can tell it's their house. Yes. So she's shaking it out in front of, and then they cut to the two women talking outside. Yeah. See, I, I'm glad you answered that, because I thought, was there a purpose to that? But I guess it's just to make it clear what's happening. Because he's watering the plants, because when he opens the window, he's got a watering can in his yeah. hand. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well spotted. Yeah. yeah. It's... um. There's a someone on, on the Facebook one foot in the grave a while back said, does anyone realise that he's in the wrong house? But no, I answered that. Was it that you? Was me. It was oh, me. Well, answered it. I answered the question. Okay. <laughs> yes, yeah, so he's, he's essentially sticking up for Patrick though, isn't he really? Patrick, you know, his little, his, he's got like his little rival thing going on, but at the end of the day, someone's littering in unnecessarily in someone's garden. And that's not that's not on. So I like how he, he does the right thing and he really gives it to them. He's a bit insulting. He describes them. Edward Scissorhands, yeah. yeah. And, and then he says, why don't... Uh, he talks about the, the child and says, why don't you train him to empty his potty over the front lawn while you're at it? The Edward Scissorhands line is very creative, actually. Very yeah. creative. 
But like I said, yeah, it does work well with Richard Wilson not being mic'd up. It just just sounds realistic and authentic, like I said. We see Victor essentially spying on them for, from behind, like a hedge. And I've, I think he's probably plotting a revenge. It's only when he leans against a bin does he realise what he could do. And that brings us to inside this... I assume she lives in that street or down the road. And she... She pops her little kid at the bottom. She keeps him in the pram and she heads off upstairs and she's singing um, Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. Maybe a little homage to Eric Idle, who sings the intro, writes yeah. the intro. She just, I didn't really notice that before. She sings Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. Yep. And the kid is there. He's just there staring at the front door as Victor's posting a load of crap through, including a, a dead fish. Obviously, it's dead. It's absolutely disgusting. But what does he expect that's going to happen? That's, that is... It is, it is the ultimate revenge. It's quite hardcore. Like yeah. I think some people might just pick up your litter and maybe just chuck it in their garden. But he's going one step further there, isn't he? Putting KFC through the letterbox as well. Half mm. eating KFC. Yeah. But is is that house like a different house or is that Margaret Victor's house? Like re-wallpapered? I'm spe- I, expect it's, I expect it's the same set because in reality, if it's a street of houses, they're probably built the same as the same set up just different decor i suppose but that's visually really funny it's quite disgusting okay so we've got an amazing shot from a studio audience perspective of alfred and victor at each at the head of the table sort of staring at each other there's no conversation it's clear to see that there's no like positive dynamics between them they're brothers who don't really have a lot to say i think victor's certainly more wound up than alfred alfred's not wound up he's just sort of he probably finds Victor a little on the dull side himself. The opening line from Alfred is... Auntie Gertie escaped again the other week. <laughs> Yet again, mentioning another relative of theirs, and it's always a funny name. And Auntie Gertie escaped the other week. So they've also got a really elderly relative in a care home. Is it a relative, though? I, I wonder if it's an animal. Because they go on to talk about it, and they said she tried to escape and they he says they tried to capture her again by dropping a large net from a helicopter so is no, it an I, animal no is i think it's a person yeah i, I think it, it will be a person because they're painting that bizarre image that they had to go to the lengths of dropping a net over this crazy old lady which is really cruel and harsh but funny if you envisage it but it's open for debate it could, could be, be but could what, be it could be Somebody, an animal. You might call it a pet auntie or uncle or something, which is a bit kooky. But I like to think... There's, there's another reference, isn't there? Um, somewhere later in... I think it's the man who blew away. They call the spider um, an uncle. Um, uh, when they go to the house where Victor and Patrick are alone in the house in the snow. Oh, yes. Someone... Cousin Gerwin or something. Is it something like Cousin Gerwin or something? Wisdom of the Witch. Is that the episode you're about? Yeah, sorry, the Wisdom of the Witch. Yeah. It might, okay, well, it's, it's open for debate. Like Personally speaking, I would like that to have been an elderly relative in a 90s mad as a box of frogs. It's cruel. Like In real life, it's not on, but for a comedy, it's hilarious. She's escaped again. It could, it could be. Thinking outside the box there, that's quite good, yeah. Yeah. So Victor's sort of he doesn't really want to in, indulge him he doesn't want to engage in this conversation so we well, had written that in the letter you sent and alf has just shown all the signs that he's quite deaf he's repeating himself getting victor to repeat himself and victor's quickly losing his rag with him a little bit isn't he and he he's just why you know how why do you how do you how would i know that he escaped if you didn't tell me and 
and Alfred said, well, I've, I've written a letter at a different time that she probably tried to escape, but this time she actually did escape. So it's just a little bit of tit for tat, essentially, isn't it? And Margaret comes out with um, the food, and she's quite happy, isn't she? She's quite pleased to see Alfred, and she's going to a lot of effort, isn't she? Got a bottle yeah. of bubbly, but they both don't want to drink. I wonder I wonder if Renwick set up the table plan, though. So you've got both brothers, one on each end, and then Margaret in the middle is like the referee. 100 percent, 100 percent reason. Oh yeah, 100 percent. Yeah, yeah. You got. It's got to be like that, isn't it? Brother v brother. Yeah, yeah. So there's a few passing digs from Alfred to Victor. How are you coping now, Victor? Bit of a big one, isn't it? Retirement, suddenly being thrown onto the scrap heap of life, a prisoner in your own home with no prospects, no purpose, nothing left to live for. It's not getting you down, I hope. He's rubbing it in. He's saying. But like being a prisoner in your own home, no prospects. But kind of at the same time, he's Alfred's trying to sound positive for him. But he's thrown on, on the scrap heap of life. Yeah, basically in a nutshell. <laughs> and Victor, amongst all this conversation back and forth, he's having to repeat himself, which isn't helping Alfred's um, position. He said, "Well, you've been miserable pretty much since I got here." <laughs> yeah, I wonder why. I'm not retired. I'm just between jobs. Sorry. Oh, God, I'll go and get a parrot. <laughs> he doesn't consider himself a retiree, does he? No. That's quite says, important to note. And he says he's going to get a parrot because he can't hear him. Yeah. He keeps mishearing him, which yeah. is why he uses the dictaphone later on. That's true, yeah. Yeah, irritating for a lot of people when you've got to repeat yourself to someone who's hard of hearing, even if it's not, not their fault. You mustn't get suicidal. Who's suicidal? Sorry? Who's suicidal? No use pretending, is it? You've been looking gloomy and fed up since the minute I've said good inside your house. Yes, funny that. So he, Alfred references here, but he, when he heard the news, he said to Marion, I've got to save up to go back there. His life was miserable enough to start with. He will need me to cheer him up. <laughs> yeah, that's a great line. That's a great line. And we think Marion's his wife, I assume. We assume so, but we don't hear any else too are that's the only yeah. mention of her there, there, there is a re reference later about them being five of them in the house so i think there's a sibling a missing sibling isn't there maybe marion is a missing sibling i don't know unless it's not his wife yeah. um with all these words of wisdom from alf alf was references how victor can get he tried to learn to not be too hot-headed about things and victor responds with ironic given you wore a hat that was on fire which Again, go back to me not really <laughs> somehow not noticing a hat on fire. I just I just envisage burning embers because he puts his pipe out on it. Oh, that's going to haunt me. That is anyway. <laughs> this episode's got a lot of visuals, a couple of slapsticky moments, and this is the best one of the lot, isn't it? Because it is. Alf wants an early night, and he does that thing. If people don't really do it anymore at the table, he's tucked, he's tucked in his. What he thinks is a napkin is the tablecloth, and of course he goes up, abruptly stands up, and the whole thing, the whole of the contents on that table falls to the floor. Just as Victor's about to, I think he's about to pick up his drink, isn't he? Or he's about yeah. to pick up his, yeah. he's about to reach for the salt, and it's just that great image that the, this brown wooden table, it's all gone on the floor. Great face from Victor. It's a great face, and it yeah. just, it just, it just shows you. The difficulty our victor's got to face for the next few weeks—the kind of clumsy, kind of 
irritating old, older, presumably older brother. It just highlights how much of a headache he's going to be, basically. We move straight into nighttime in the victim Margaret's bedroom. It's they're both sound asleep. We think we hear one of them snoring, and it's a bit of a continuation from the dinner table accident because we hear a loud smash from the bathroom bedroom. Oh my God! Bloody hell's he up to this time? <laughs> Sounds like someone turning the barbican down. Oh, I can't take much more of this. It's like having Mad Max round to stay. I love Victor's sort of, oh, what's he doing now? What the hell is he up to this time? You can suddenly hear Alfred sort of screaming out, can't you? Yeah, subtly. But it's weird. It's weird because he sends Margaret. He he doesn't go. He just sends his wife. It's typical. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Margaret's the brave one. She's like she she even sleeps on the side where burglars would come in. She's very much the man of the house in that regard, isn't she? She <laughs> she's quite a feisty character. But it's a hilarious reason why Alfred made the match. He got up to go to the loo and saw a weird man coming towards him. And he held, his reflection. Held the alarm clock at him and then realised it was a mirror in the wardrobe door. It's, it's obvious to say, but it's just to give us, the audience, viewer, a little insight to that he's a bit of a mad, mad old, yeah. doddery old fool, isn't he? And he, maybe he's the daft, dawdling old arsehole. Yeah, maybe. It's a very, very short nighttime scene. I think it's, it's just there, just to move along the episode and give us this, Again, painting the pictures, the phrase I use a lot just to, to show us what he's like as a, as, a, as a guest. The opening scene the next morning, we've got the yellow post-it note with the number that Patrick and Pippa left for them to be called. Victor's use it as a tally chart, yeah. and he's just counting down. He said he's good. This is why I think it's 14 days he's staying. This is over halfway. He's done the tally wrong. He's supposed to do four lines and then a strike through for five. Then he's got two. That'd be seven, but clearly eight, obviously, because there's eight lines. We're just, I've just been pedantic now, but like you said, it's just over halfway through, and he's. It's not necessarily the next morning, is it? Because if he's over halfway through, when they had that evening meal, we assume that's kind of like the first time they've sat down together. We don't know what yeah. stage they're at. It could have been a few nights in. It's weird because he does that, the tally in it, but it seems like Patrick and Pippa don't go away for that long, but we don't know how long they go well, away for. That's true, yeah. I don't I, know how that works. I've just thought of that now. Yeah. This little detail, like when yep. you're reviewing the show, like I do, I, there's so much I miss, evidently miss, with the, the, the hat and the fire and keep getting this haunting me still. But I just think, I sh- I, for some reason, I'm assuming they didn't go abroad and they only went away for a few days. But like you said, they probably came back. They probably they came, back. they probably would have come back if, if Alf stayed the whole length of time, which we know he doesn't. There would have been a crossover of them arriving back with Alfred still there. That's not against the realms of possibility, is it? It is a morning. It's not necessarily the next morning, but when we see Victor tallying up the number of days left or how many Alfred's been staying, Alf comes in to the kitchen. I'm back. Where have you been? I thought you'd flush yourself down the toilet in error. <laughs> Sorry? Where have you been? I thought you'd flush yourself down the toilet in error. <laughs> What's that for? Because I'm tired of having to repeat myself every time I say something to you. Sorry? <laughs> because I'm tired of having to repeat myself every time I say something to you. If you spoke up a bit in the first place, I might be able to hear you. A Victor, a little bit mean, but he's got this dictaphone that the salesman left behind and he's pre-recorded certain answers or he's just recording his response and then playing it back when 
Alfred inevitably asks him to repeat himself. Yep. It's, it's very passive-aggressive, and Alfred doesn't seem that bothered, does he? But he's he's essentially collected a parcel from the post office, hasn't he? He said he, <laughs> a line that doesn't quite make sense, but even though he travelled by plane, he sent this particular parcel by airmail. Rather than just taking it with him, he posted it separately, which is yep. bizarre. He said things get broken on planes, yeah. so I, I don't trust them, so I sent this by airmail. To me, that's like a trigger line, like certain trigger would say. Totally, you can you can imagine that. That's like I went to a motel, but they don't know I haven't got a car. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah it's similar. To, it's similar to that. It is similar. So he has referenced he's travelled all the way from New Zealand because we don't really know that before. It's yep. the first time, and he's been the reason why this particular parcel he's, he's hinting at what it is. So he's been researching the Maori ancestry. And they've got a great-great-granddad who was a New Zealander. So I guess that some of their, their family were born in New Zealand. They've not, I think, was Victor born out there? Because they've got a great-great-granddad out there. So who knows? I don't know. The only yeah. reference to it, isn't it? It's the only yeah, reference so, in the whole series to it. So Alfred mentions that last year he received a letter from uh, Mrs. Glenister from Christchurch, who apparently is a, a very distant cousin. So there's yet another cousin that's mentioned. And that she came into possession one of their great great grand female Drew's personal effects it's revealed what's what's the big reveal of this parcel so it's, it's um it's a skull it's a 150 year old skull he compares it to victor you know that's the second time we've had victor being compared to something you know, something mummified if you like or yep. something that isn't alive for old victor looking miserable sin isn't he um so is this skull is this their great great grand female Drew, or is it Great great grumpy Meldry's possession. I think it is a great grand female. Because he says it's the family resemblance, so it must be. Yeah, I don't know if it was. It I don't know if it was grumpy great great grumpy Meldry or another relative, but it just looked like Victor. But anyway. But I love Victor's response to this. For goodness sake, last week I was a mummified cape and I'm a bloody walking skeleton. So <laughs> it's like, so he's accepted that he's the mummified caveman. That's the first time you hear him like make reference True. to himself. And we know if he if he's used the phrase last week, then we it fits in with yeah. Alfred being there yep. for about a week, and it well, if I came in the newspaper was talked about at the same time Alfred was due to come over. So yeah. He also invites Victor and Margaret to go through some family photos later on. It's that thing that doesn't really happen anymore, where you go around someone's house to look through their photo album. A lot of people put it on the internet now, but it's something if it's your own photos, it's quite nice to go through them. But if you've got guests to kind of traditional to be bored as you go through all these holiday snaps or family photos but it's quite sweet like it reminds me like all the times i go around my family yeah. um, member's house if be, again if they if they just show me photos of the old times or holiday i don't mind it but it's traditionally boring isn't it if you're not a member of that family or you're just visiting and they just sort of get the family album books out it's mentioned a lot though in one foot in the grave showing photos because mm. there's the one um where of margaret's mum where she's not in any of the pictures. Yeah, that's true. And there's yeah. also another one that says Ronnie and Mildred wanted to show us their holiday snaps. Quite a few of them. There's yeah. quite a few, yeah. Quite a few. Yeah, I was just saying that I just love how you don't see certain characters and it's left to your imagination. This is Serena's mum, Margaret's mum, none of these cousins we really see. I thought we saw Cousin Ivor for some reason in Series 1, but we don't. This is a charming little keepsake, isn't it? That's a walking disaster area. And you wondered why I didn't want him to come and stay with us? You'd think the day he flew out, New Zealand must have declared a national holiday. <laughs> Never take it on us, brothers, even when we were young. 
Just think you'd have got the message by now. What message? In the name of God, go. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's quite sad, really. He is just fed up. Halfway through, Alpha say he is absolutely fed up with his brother. And to be fair, he's just been mocked for his looks and by yeah. a skeleton. And his brother is, he might, he might be the demanding type. He might be a bit of a pest to live with. But anyway, that is that kind of ends that scene, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, with with we're at, it's evening time in the Meldrews livery. Don't know if it's the same day. Could be a couple of days later. Who knows? And they are going through the old photos with Margaret present as well. Like we were saying earlier, it's quite a sweet scene, really, isn't it? Because they're, they're, they're recounting old memories, and Alfred finds an old newspaper cutting from a church parade, Armistice Day, 1937. They lived in Dibley Street, uh, and that's where he met references that the five of us living together. So that's mum, dad, those two, and they, they might have had an auntie or uncle live with them, or might have had a, another sibling, I don't know. It's that's, weird, though, because that comes back to, like, it makes it sound more like it's back in the UK. Yeah. So it jumps about a bit because obviously we thought the family was from New Zealand and then all of a sudden they're back in the UK. That's right. So I think, to be fair, perhaps they the family moved out there well yeah. after the Second World War. Maybe, I don't know. And again, Victor, what's the... There's a Guy Fawkes reference, isn't there? He says, oh my God, I look like a skeleton. Yeah, that's because you're wearing a Guy Fawkes mask. Victor kind of mocks himself, really, there, thinking that he looks like a skeleton when he didn't really realise it was an outfit. I thought that was quite... Quite unintentionally but, funny. But the reason they reference um, Guy Fawkes Night is for the next gag, which is... The Catherine Wheel. Yeah, the Catherine Wheel falling on his head, falling off the fence and onto his head. And he says he runs around, he ran around and everyone could see it except him and he was running around with his hat on fire. On fire, which is, it, it, kind of, it kind of clicks for Victor that he's probably more like his brother than he realised, like especially... Yeah. They're probably they're both accident prone, like we saw with the, the dinner table scene, hat being on fire. And I think that kind of in the moment is quite sweet and he offers him another yeah. drink. This is the first time we see him click. Would you like another bit of lemon? Yes, it would be nice. Thank you. It's yeah, really it's the nice. First time he's nice to him, isn't it? It's the first time he's nice to him, isn't it? And yeah. oh it's also nice that Margaret, I think she would love to sit with them, but she takes herself away, doesn't she? Just so they she can does. have yeah. some time. Yeah, it's really sweet. Like, I, I think she'd have liked to have gone through, but I think she thinks, no, I'm just going to let them get on with it because they're actually not at each other's throats for once. No. Um, and it's really sweet. And it's bloody moment for you. Like, he's a whole sense of security almost. Like, oh, it's all going really well until the next day. He drops day. the bombshell, yeah. He drops a bit of a bombshell, which we'll talk about in a moment. But Margaret is at the uh, dinner, sort of dinner table, the kitchen table. She's looking a bit distraught, a bit zoned out. She's reading a letter of sorts. We don't really know what it is. And someone else lets himself through the back. And this time it's a workman, Peter Heppelwaite. You might have seen him in Green Green Grass, The Office. Yeah. He's a bit part actor, really youthful with his curtain haircut, very 90s. But he's just politely asking if they can use the sink to hose up, put the hose pipe connector in. They've done a bit of work around the front and Margaret doesn't really care, does she? She's like, yeah, go ahead. So he exits, doesn't he? Now, there is no doubt at all in your mind, is there? It was definitely him. I told you, Melanie saw him do it. Said he was an old geezer in a cap. Looked like that mummified caveman in the paper. (laughs) We'll see how he likes nasty things being put through his letterbox. And then we'll flip back to Victor... He's gone as far as taking a cup of tea up to Alfred's room. So they're definitely on, well, in Victor's mind. This is definitely the next day. 
obviously is, isn't it? Yep. And it's quite sad because the bedroom he's staying in, the, the bed's made, it looks pretty spick and span, doesn't it? It's a spare um, room. You don't spare. see it very often. You don't see it very often. You do a few episodes. And Mrs. Warboy's Waxwork is in one as well. That's right. And there's the one with the telephone man looking mm-hmm. into their spare bedroom. There's a few episodes, but there's not that many. Yeah, it's not that frequent you see it. There's the, no. They do store a lot of crap in there, don't they? But there's some sad sort of music played as bits of sort of just like, sorry, he's, he's moved out. And Margaret reveals the reason why he's left. He's gone. Gone? Gone where? Gone home. Gone? What's this? After you went to bed last night, he came downstairs for a drink and accidentally knocked that dictaphone onto the floor. You wonder why they wanted to come and stay with us? To think the day he flew out, they must have declared a national holiday. We never dingered on his brothers, even when we were young. I thought you'd got the message by now. What message? In the name of God, go! <laughs> no, cheer up. Like he says in his letter, It'll be another 25 years before he bothers you again. Essentially, he found the dictaphone and he somehow worked it. Like, he just obviously pressed play. It's not hard, but I'm surprised he... he, he I don't know, he might have spent all night trying to play, work it for what I know. But he heard the little rant that Victor had previously had in the name of God go line which yep. he's taken it quite he's taken he's taken the personal to personally to the point he's left but yeah I imagine that Victor's said all sorts of to Alfred over the last week and a half so it surprises me that just because it's on a recording it's made him want to go. I'd I'd if I was Alfred I might have gone, that's really harsh. I could run Victor about it. And Victor would say, look, that was when we were getting on, but we had a great night last night. Let's see how it goes. But obviously he's just too late. Too late. Too little, too late. I read on IMDb that apparently when they played a recording back, when Victor. What's one, is it? It's not the same recording, apparently, because he shouts it on the recording that they played back. And when he said it originally, he said it under his breath. To be honest with you, that I've always thought it didn't sound the same because Margaret's response was a little bit quicker or slower. I can't remember which way around it. It, it clearly isn't the same recording. The thing that hit, hits you most is. Margaret saying, like he says in his letter, it'll be another 25 years before he bothers you again. And Victor does look really remorseful. But that's tragic, because he won't see him again. And 25 years, they'll be both dead. Yeah. Um, so that is it. Right, that's just really... You go, you've gone from a high to a low in space of a scene and a half. High being not like hilariously funny, but just really sweet. They, they shared a nice moment. And Victor's previous error come back to bite him on the ass. I guess what Margaret said previously in the episode, your... Um, one man vigilante exploits will come back to bite you on the, the backside. And that's basically it, I suppose, in that sense, because it's ruined a brotherly relationship. But they, they didn't really have before, but they looked like they were a rare occasion getting on. And then they put the hose through the front door. That's right. And of Patrick and Pippa's, and then they turn it on. Next scene, Patrick and Pippa arrive back home, and they don't, they, they think it all is well. I'm just looking at the, I've got the, a screen grab at 26 minutes, 29 seconds in. And you can see, it's obviously a set, but you can see outside of Victor's, sorry, Patrick's home. Patrick's home. Yeah, it's the curtain, because you can see the creases in it. Yeah, you can just see 
It looks like it's, a, it's a, a bit of artwork on a bit of curtain. It looks not yeah. too bad if you if you're not really focused on it, but it's. I, so you can notice it. Yeah. I'm always fascinated by background scenes, like when it's obviously in the studio. They have to make it look as realistic as possible. And there's a fake there's a fake bird noise as well. Yeah, dubbed over the top. There's always a BBC sound effect. Bird in there, <laughs> crow or whatever. They they were very briefly led to think that everything there was there was no the house was in one piece and there's nothing seems to have gone wrong until they realize that actually it's flooded understandably livid to see pipe through their front door now you know uh back in the first scene or the second scene when you saw the plant pot that says do not water i think that's kind of an ironic thing as well because they haven't over watered that plant but everywhere else is watered so it's kind of like come back full circle yeah it's not. Back. It's not just to show that they, it needs watering or something that someone needs to be in their house while they're on holiday. It's for this. It brings it, us back to the fact that the house is very much watered, but the plant isn't. Patrick. It's not hard for him to do a bit of detective work. So he simply has to follow the pipe, doesn't he, round to the house, and he probably yeah. not surprised to learn that it goes to the victim's house. You just think this is just so unfair. Like it's so unfortunate. He's met with Victor, and Patrick's yeah. quite calm, isn't he? But he just. I, I noticed that, like in a lot of these like studio sets, that everything moves so easily. Like the tap almost comes. Like he, t- he pulls off the hu- the pipe, the part. When you, if you ever fit a hose pipe to your tap before, there's a bit. It's really hard to get on, and it falls off yeah. easily. And I, it's probably fluky, but it comes off so easily in Patrick's hand that it, it feels like Renwick's having another indirect moan that that's annoying with hose pipes. They just don't stay on, and the whole of that unit wobbles because it's just a set. Something matter? There was one slight small question that was bothering me, yes, but I don't suppose it really matters much one way or the other. What question's that? I was just wondering how you're going to get the end of this hose pipe out of your bottom. <laughs> how is Victor going to explain this one? Obviously it's played to your imagination, but I just it's think... It's not his fault. It's not, not his fault. fault. It's... Well, he's caused a bit of a thing with Trump putting rubbish in someone's house but he was essentially sticking up for Patrick and Pippa because their lawn was being just they were just being disrespected on with a bit of litter but it's come back like I said surely that woman would know it was Victor because he's shouting them from across the road he didn't need to shout them he could have just plotted it privately I was really petty once I outside my my house I saw these it wasn't even my neighbours it was my neighbours relatives dumped the McDonald's pack in my bin. I just couldn't drop it. I had to get the McDonald's um, litter out of my bin and I had to put it in the neighbour's bin. It's the most, probably the most pettiest thing I've ever done. I just thought, no, that's my bin. Like The fact they had their bin right next to them, but they chose my bin. And I was just, yeah, I was Victor in the moment. I couldn't believe it. I wasn't going to confront them because I'm not stupid. Quite a good episode. Yep. How does that rate for you for this particular series, Series 3? I know we haven't gone through all of them yet, but is that quite a strong episode? I feel like it's getting better. Um, I feel like they're getting better as they go along goes on and on and every episode seems to just get that little bit more funnier it's just evolved so well then if you think where we were in series one it's a totally different dynamic wasn't it alfred was played by richard pearson wind in the willows is what i recognize most out of all the things he's he's been in i was going to say why was terry wogan and frank Bruner credited but we've already spoken about that at the start i also mentioned like why would patrick and pippa trust victor and margaret at this point to look after the house or water plants but they they're fairly people. trusting, even though they ha- they don't like him. They're fairly trusting of him, like all the time, because later on when Pippa like hasn't 
miscarriage and all that. Yeah. And he takes her to the hospital and all that. They're they're pretty trusting. They they kind of rely on each other a little bit. Well, like I said, they've they've had they had, they shared a moment together, didn't they? Really, like when yeah, when Pippa lost a baby, they, he was there for Patrick. So I think that's what I was saying in, in the episode afterwards. I was talking with another guest and I said how ungrateful Patrick seems. Yeah, they were there for him, but I don't know. It's the, the war continues, doesn't it? And um, like Wizard of the Witch, they that's probably the one time that they get on quite well but they are a little bit drunk but they Patrick even finds him funny at one point doesn't he in the episode but yeah I look forward to reviewing that another t- um, when I come around to it but yeah overall really like I said the, the, the show ages really well IMDB give it 8.2 most of them are 8s um, there's a few 9s but at next episode I'll be reviewing a Beast in the Cage which, uh, great episode one of my favourites it's one of those where if it's just like a one scene episode, it's just marvellous, isn't it? Timeless yeah. Time, The Trial, and the trial, Timeless Time are two other examples. And Rearranging the Dust is one scene. Rearranging the Dust yeah. is one of my favourite episodes. I look forward to reviewing that later on. I think we'll move on to a Mel Drew Moan now. Oh, I do not Will you look at this? Can you believe the nerve of this? A skin their ruddy heights for them. One of the first things I said to you, Tom, when I yeah. um, first messaged you was I was unhappy about your first mail dream rain about the supermarket <laughs> workers not social distancing when they've yeah. busted their arse off basically yeah. to like, feed the nation. I was yes. unhappy about that because you branded all of us in the same boat. I profusely yeah. apologised and um, um, yeah, it's isolated. For me, it was an isolated thing at yeah. the time. But yeah, I totally get you. Well, to give you some idea of that, we... Um, our like department has tripled in size so yeah. like since corona so yeah. it's been like crazy so it's not there's like so many people now it's ridiculous like how many people of us there are right and it's just not enough space to do it <laughs> so you can't really social distance it at work and you, you can try you can do your best but yeah, yeah. so yeah. many people you're just so busy at work aren't you um, um it's going to be like that for another probably rest of the year and then you've got christmas that's going to be crazy as ever yeah yeah well <laughs> thank you thank you for your military moan it's uh okay. it's fine to keep them brief well thank you for coming on the podcast it's been really good to no problem. chat with you um so like i said you. next episode is the beast in the cage and i've got another guest lineup for that uh, i just want to say if you want to get in touch it's one foot in the podcast at gmail.com i'm ever present on the facebook groups and also got twitter at one foot the pod so do um drop me a message if you want to come onto the show have a chat or we just want to if you don't want to come on the podcast, that's fine. You might just want to drop me a message and I can read it out. That's that's fine. But yeah, thank you, loyal listeners, once again. And I look forward to speaking to you next week. Cheers. Thank you for having me. Cheers. Oh, I'm in the grave.